Welcome back. So question is, did you receive a bag of mysterious seeds from China in the mail of late? Um, because if you did, you're being warned, don't open it and certainly don't plant whatever it is. Uh, this kind of uh, headline floored me. The Canadian Food Inspectors Agency says uh, they're getting reports that people are receiving these packages and they're labeled jeweler. And it's clearly from China, but inside you'll find seeds. And the concern is it could be some kind of invasive species of plants or maybe plants that carry pests, but is it some kind of attack? What is it? And how are they getting names and addresses? And I also want to talk about the food bank issue and how we can change that. And the guy I thought to do that would be John Keogh. He is founder and managing principal over Chantella and his expertise is in food supply chain and things like the mysterious seed. So John, I kind of sent this to you last night and said, what the hell is this? What is it? Yeah, on the seeds issue, it's it's quite a concern. When you look at the face of it, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Alex, it could be uh, a food defense issue. Now, food defense is a deliberate act to try to uh, cause a disturbance within an economy. And in this case, it could be an invasive, invasive species. Uh, on the other hand, there's also some talk uh, on, online about it being a guerrilla marketing uh, tactic Mm. Um, but as you pointed out, how do they get the names and addresses of people in multiple U.S. states and I believe also the U.K.? It's a concern. It should be a concern. And so, you know, um, when you say a marketing campaign, would that be like a company? Could it be more sinister that it's coming from, you know, the government to try to meddle? Like, what would that be? Well, we, we could speculate uh, across many areas. It could be a third party trying to interfere with uh, with the U.S. because of what's going on with China. That's something that we naturally tend to think about. So, um, so that could be a food defense issue or what we often call food terrorism. Um, but in the in the case of the guerrilla marketing, uh, you see tactics like this where you know you may have uh, a company, a marketing company, who pulls off a stunt where people who are at, let's say, a tennis game or a soccer game uh, all have the same shirt on, the logo, and trying to promote a product. So that guerrilla marketing, trying to get airtime on TV, uh, is one way to do it. And this is another potential way where they get names and addresses of people overseas, they send them the products, and then they post fake uh, 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 references online that these people love the product. Right. And obviously it's now on the radar of the uh, Canadian Food Inspection Agency. And and, and, if, and if folks are wondering, like, OK, so what, you get some kind of outside seed from uh, another country. I mean, some of the invasive species that come to mind uh, are like the zebra mussel. Uh, the, they wreak havoc on uh, on our waterways. Uh, purple loosestrife, which eats up all our natural habitat, uh, gnats come into the country. So it can actually, when you bring in an invasive species, can do a lot of damage. And that's why they ask you when you travel, are you bringing any agricultural products back? Have you been on a farm? That, that's right. Uh, there's there's a lot of risk here. Uh, when I was down in California in June, uh, there was also smuggling uh, significant uh, shipment of uh, products from uh, China again. Um, I think it was about 60,000 pounds of meat that were trying to be brought into the U.S. And a lot of those are products that are absolutely banned because of the risk of, uh, of significant contamination. And think of African uh, swine flea fever, for example, for pork, but other uh, toxic uh, diseases for, for humans. Um, so it, it's, it's a big, big risk. And during the crisis right now, uh, criminals, bad actors, they take uh, chances. They try to exploit loopholes. They try to exploit where there are weaknesses in the system. 
due to uh, resources that may be focused on other areas. So you may have federal inspectors that are not doing as many inspections as they normally are. So we're reliant on uh, the postal workers and the inspectors uh, and the dogs that they have and the cameras that they have, the x-rays, to uh, do a lot of due diligence. But more and more, Alex, we're seeing uh, shipments of uh, whether it's drugs, uh, illicit drugs, or things like this coming via postal routes. Yeah. And so, you know, I guess it, it, it really comes down to, once again, um, people, everyday people having to kind of keep their eyes open. And if it doesn't look like it's right and you haven't ordered it, uh, make a phone call or don't open it. But nonetheless, uh, something to be on the lookout for. Um, th this I wanted to talk to you about because it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. You know, we've got this report from the Toronto uh, Food Bank that's saying the use of the bank has tripled during the pandemic. That does not surprise me. So they've got um, 6,100 new clients using the organization compared to 2,000 back in February. So that's a big jump. And if the numbers continue the way they are, we know a lot of people are out of work, the food banks across this country are going to be in a lot of trouble. And, you know, one of the things that I, I wondered is wh why are we not stopping food waste? I mean, we throw out, and it's a staggering number, 35 million tons of food, whether it's just food wheat that goes bad. It's not bad food, but whether it's restaurants throwing out food that they were using that day, you know, a, a donut shop tossing out their donuts, but 58% of food every day is just tossed out. I mean, Canadians throw away about $1,766 every year just on food waste. Is there not a way that we can change the rules so that we're not giving people rotten food or bad food, but that food that is within certainly uh, the dates and, and is perfectly good that we cannot get this to, to food banks so that we can, you know, make sure people are getting something to eat and not being so wasteful. Yeah, you're absolutely right. All of those numbers, Daily Bread are saying there's a 200% increase and, uh, and the food banks in general are saying there's a significant increase year over year. Um, at the early early days in the crisis, or around the May time frame, Canada, the Canadian government or Stats Canada published a report saying one in seven families yeah. are now food insecure. Is about fifteen percent before the pandemic. That was about nine percent. So it's a big it's a big issue, Alex, for sure. And, and seventeen hundred dollars sounds exactly right. So in France in twenty sixteen, the, the French government changed the law to be able to facilitate this process. Mm -hmm. and it bans grocery stores and food service, I believe, as well, from throwing away any food that's considered to be edible. So, again, edible means that it's safe for consumption, it's not expired or it's not bad or it's not being reused from another customer. Um, so the fines that they put in place is about uh, four, €5,000, about €4,500 4, per instant. And when I was involved with uh, with APEC, Asia-Pacific Economic Collaboration, that's the 21 economies that Canada is included in, um, I, was, I was actually in this group, the Policy Partnership for Food Security, and Japan, surprisingly enough, is one of the leaders. Going back to the 1960s, they changed the law that everyone along the supply chain, whether you're a producer or you're a factory or processor, you have to either recycle or reuse all of the food. You just cannot throw it away. So Japan has been doing this and has given us lots of leadership lessons on how to do it right. It just it baffles me in 2020 that we are not better at this. We always talk about recycling and reusing and all this stuff in the environmental aspect, but just not in the food. And, and we could, if you look at the numbers, 11.2 million tons could be repurposed. I mean, yeah, your vegetables might not be, um, you know, fresh that day. But I mean, if you want to clean out your fridge and make something wholesome, you, you put it in a stew. There's so many things that they could, the food banks could use. 
um, or people could use, whether it's day-old bagels, breads, donuts, whether it's you know vegetables to make something at home uh, that's a hearty meal and, and it has nutrients. And it's just, uh, it really just makes no sense that we are so far behind on this. That's right. In fact, uh, I headed up the development of the uh, North American standard or the global standard, I should say, for product recall and also put in platforms for product recall. And some of the things we were recommending at the time is that instead of um, grocery stores and restaurants throwing out food, uh, once the food is still good, why don't the in-store process it into a shake, a nutritional yeah. shake, and give it out free to customers? So that was one thing. Another thing we were recommending, and of course not everyone can afford this, is to have a mixer at home to be able to make your own drinks and make your own uh, smoothies. The biggest risk, Alex, was always the law, because the law states that you cannot place a product on the market if it's deemed unsafe. And you could not give uh, products to food banks if it was deemed to be potentially unsafe for consumers. So we need the law, like what France has done and other countries around the world. We need the legislators to facilitate that process. And believe it or not, in, in uh, 2016, there was a private member's bill that was introduced by the NDP in Quebec. It's mm -hmm. called Bill C-231. Uh, but that, that failed twice. That was defeated in 2016. It was defeated again in 2018. And so it hasn't made any progress. It's called the Fight Against Food Waste Act. So the legislators said uh, there's the appetite to uh, to move this forward in Canada doesn't seem to be there based on uh, my reading of the situation. Well, you know, they could sell the food off to uh, at a discount to students or whatever and then ask for a donation to go to the food bank. There's all sorts of things we can do and think outside the box because now's the time to do it in a pandemic as we reimagine and repurpose uh, the way we do things moving forward. John, I got to let you go on that note. Wish I had another 20 minutes for you, but I hope you're well and I thank you for joining us. Thank you, Alex. That is John Keogh. We are just so wasteful and we don't have to be. And there's the proof of it. All right, when we come back, we'll check in with the doctor. We'll talk about, you know, what it is the Sick Kids Hospital and all these other educational and medical experts are suggesting, which is get the kids back to school. We will talk about that and whether the plans can work in just a second. Stay with us here on Point Alex Pearson. You are listening to Global News Radio.